No, we got a great guest and a great guy because this guy right here uh, for all of you is one of the one of the really best human beings I know. And uh, I've had a chance to spend an awful lot of time with him in some really interesting environments. And I'll tell you what, you know, here is a not only a, what was a great football player, what is a great man, Ma'atanavasa. Hey, Coach Ramble, how you doing, man? Hello. Hey. <laughs> Malosi, my brother. Hey, Malosi. Uh, I got I to gotta ask you, uh, we're going to go uh, in kind of a chronological order through your journey and um, because it's such an incredible story. And I think there's so many things that we want to unpack along the way. We're going to take questions and we'll stay here. Ma, you know me, I, I can talk now. We'll stay here as long as you want to stay. But you grow, you're born in New Uli in, in American Samoa or Western Samoa? Yeah, New Uli in American Samoa. Okay. Now, when did you move to Hawaii? I came over uh, when I was one, one years old after I made my my, my uh, first birthday. Uh, my dad was already here in uh, on Oahu already working until uh, you know he was able to save up enough money to bring uh, me and mom over. So I came over as a as a child. All right. So you grow up in Mililani, yep. which is where, which is where you still live to this day. Yes. Right? And you're coaching high school football. Yes. And uh, doing a great job. And now for fans that don't know, the University of Hawaii has a long, long tradition of defensive line, great defensive line. And, you know, you go back to the Larry Cole, who was a tremendous player for the Cowboys on their Super Bowl teams in the 70s. And Al Noga and Falonico Noga and on and on and on and on. Uh, Ma'a uh, helped build that foundation um as the d-line coach when i was the d-line coach at hawaii one of the things i made every rookie do when they came in as freshmen was they had to do they had to pick one player out of the past that had been an all whack or an all-american player and there were a ton of them were drafted in the nfl and they had to basically report about that guy to the rest of the players and it was fascinating to hear the stories of you know some really 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 talented players who went on to play not only in the NFL, but, you know, we're Hall of Fame guys, really. And Ma, you were one of those guys, but it didn't really start out that way, did it, your career? Uh, no. Um, I didn't start playing um, high school football till my sophomore year in high school. I was a kid living here on Oahu, just loved going to the beach, loved the water. And I was a coach, my um, coach Millwood, who um, saw me walking around campus, down the halls, and asked me, hey, you want to come <laughs> play football? I was one of those park guys. I go to the park and play tackle football with the boys. But other than that, um, my mom didn't want me to play football. Like all other moms, you know, they want their sons to get hurt. So I just sneak off to practices. And then my dad was the only one that knew. Sneak off to practices, get practices. And then uh, I guess somebody told my mom we were at the supermarket or something. Hey, uh, you can go watch your son play this weekend too. <laughs> oh, what? You didn't what tell her? About? No, she didn't, didn't know. My, didn't, my, dad, you... my dad knew, but I, my mom didn't know. Oh, what did mom say? Oh, man, she was pretty hot about it. But once she got out there to watch me play, she knew that uh, I was pretty good at pretty good at it. And, uh, um, you know, it, it was history after that. Now, again, for a lot of our viewers and our viewers are all over the world. Um, you come from a Samoan background and in 
Fa'a Samoa, which is the Samoan way, Samoan, yes. um, family and your parents and respect are all very, very important to every kid and, and to every family. But for, for you to hold back from your mom that you were playing football, did she sasa you a little bit or was she or, or did dad step in? Oh, uh, she was you know, she was upset. Um, I think she wanted me to be uh, to go the, the religion route. She wanted me to be a pastor and, you know, go to the church and do that, do those things. But, um, you know, I just had fun out there playing football and I'm, I'm just glad the coaches saw something in me. It wasn't just uh, they didn't see me play football, they just saw my height. You know, just a skinny kid walking around campus. And, uh, you know, they say, hey, why don't you come out and try to um, you know, play some high school football? And, uh, you know, once my mom saw me play, I guess that was it. Um, kind of got the comments from a lot of the parents that are around her and say, hey, your son is pretty good at this. You know, you should let him play. And, you know, ever since right? then, and, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and again, for, for all our viewers out there, high school football, high school sports, but high school football in particular on the – on the islands is big, big, big time. I mean, Friday nights, I've been to Texas, I've been to Pittsburgh, I've been to, you know, Florida, and they've all got great high school football traditions. But I'm telling you, when it's Friday night on Oahu and the teams get together, it is like war. I mean, <laughs> it is intense and it is important. And, you know, uh, the Mililani Trojans, now, who was your big rival as a high school team? Uh, shoot, growing up was always Lelehua because they were so close to us. They're about two miles, a little over two miles away from our school, so that was always the rivals. But now they, they you know, they um, divide the uh, the districts now by uh, power rankings, and you know, to make sure you have um, good teams going against good teams, and not good teams going against uh, you know teams that don't have too many kids that come out for football, just to make it an even playing field. But now we got our St. Louis's, we have our Punahos, we have our Kahuku's, uh, Wayanai's, a lot of a lot of different schools there that are our rivals now, and those are usually the top schools that you know always going to get each other in the uh, the top division championships. All right, now we're going to get to the whole Polynesian thing later in the interview because I want you to talk about being in the hall of fame and I want you to talk about the bowl game that you guys have done and all that stuff and where that's all going. Cause it's such a great story. But when was it that you thought that football was going to be your ticket to get a college education? Oh, I'd say probably my senior year, I think my senior was, year when I was, it, when I, when I guess, uh, was going to get to Lelihua and uh, they had this running back, Adrian Morrell that was there. That played running back who also went to West Virginia. Yeah. Then he got drafted by the Jets. Yeah. But uh, you know, I had a game where I was able to catch him from behind. He took an angle and um they said that was a game tape that uh helped me get my scholarship. And ever since from that game on, schools started coming by the school and you know, colleges starting to come by and say, Oh, who's this kid that um caught Adrian from behind? And uh, ever since then that uh that really helped me out a lot. Now when one of the things that's changed about when you were coming out and what's happening now on the islands is so many more kids are going off island. Were you tempted at all to leave the island, go go to the mainland to go go to school? I mean, it was nice to have schools that came from the states to come and recruit me, but I just knew that uh, I was gonna stay. I was gonna stay at home because I wanted my parents to watch me play. I know they didn't have we didn't have the funds to 
go and fly, you know, fly up across across the, to the U.S. to watch me play games on weekends that we had home games. But uh, you know, we had good coaches there. Al Noga played there. Jesse Sapolu played at UH. I had some great um, idols, guys that I looked up to. Uh, Coach Miano was there, and I just knew I didn't have to go anywhere else uh, to get looked at by the NFL. I could stay home and. As long as you know, I, I did what I had to do, and like uh, like you said, on your um, when you're talking to that other um, college, uh, um, what do you call that? Uh, that was breaking down uh, for the draft. Yeah. Uh, or like you said, all you need is one team to like you, and uh, you know the rest is history. Well, you go to UH and play for Bob Wagner. Yes. And on a really really good football staff, Bob Wagner was a great football coach. He always had great defenses. Paul Johnson was running that, I don't know, flex bone or whatever you call it, way before way before anybody was doing it. Mm-hmm. You guys go, you guys go your senior year, you go nine and two, you win the WAC championship when the WAC was really a good league. Mm-hmm. And you go to first time ever off the island, a University of Hawaii team goes to a bowl game off the island, and you play Illinois in the holiday bowl. Yes. As a nine and two at WAC champion against the Big Ten Illinois. Did you guys feel you were going to win that night? Oh, yeah. You know, anytime you come from the islands, uh, you know, you always have that chip on your shoulder. And uh, to be out there, it felt like we were disrespected by Illinois to saying that uh, uh, we don't play real ball out there, you know, in the, in the WAC conference and uh, going to represent um, the WAC conference being out there and coming from the islands. I think that year, Illinois had seven players that were drafted, a couple of uh, first rounders, too. And you know, that, that was all the hype. They got all these guys that are, are going to get drafted and who do we have? But, uh, you know, we, we knew we were going to go up there. We had some great coaching. Our game plan was set. And, uh, you know, as long as we played the way we did, we knew we, were, we weren't going to lose that game. Okay. Can you remember Can you remember the other defensive linemen on that team? Oh, yeah. It was me, Junior Tongawai, Tase, uh, Falmui. We were, we were the front three. And... Um, we had some of the other guys that came in and rotated, but uh, we were almost like a three-four with that flex, like you said, that eagle front. And shoot, uh, like I said, uh, Coach Ellison had a great uh, game plan for us when we went in there, and uh, we had a great game. All right, now what 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 Ma's talking about with Rich Ellison is Rich gained a lot of notoriety when he left and went to the University of Arizona and created the Desert Swarm, yeah. which was nothing more than the Eagle Front that you guys played. Junior played nose. Tase was the was a you know an end with you. Uh, interestingly enough, I had a chance to coach both of those guys in pro football, so um, I've gotten to know you and I coached them. So, and I'm gonna tell you something. I swear this is a true story. Junior, one day in practice, the center was holding it, and you know Junior how quiet he was oh yeah 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 unless, unless you got him mad right with the mike tyson voice with the mike tyson yeah, voice a little squeaky voice he goes <laughs> he goes stop holding me and and the center was trying to make the football team right so he holds him again the next time so junior she kind of pushing goes i told you stop holding me right with that little tiny you get hard yeah. in here and the guy the and junior turns around to walk back to the defensive huddle and the offensive lineman shoves him in the back cheap shots him in the back junior turned around and before, before you, I mean, like you didn't even know what happened. He had the guy on the ground, reached down with one hand, and I swear to God, this is true, Ma. Grabbed him by the face mask and ripped his face mask right off of his helmet. 
And I, I, I it was the craziest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> and, and you talk about being Samoan strong. My man Junior was oh, yeah. Samoan strong. Oh, yeah. Now you get to Hercules right there. You get drafted, right, by yeah. the Rams in the eighth round. How many rounds were there in those years? Yeah, eighth round was the last round that year. Um, I was a two oh eight pick. Did you also, think you were gonna we did you think you were gonna go higher? Oh no, I, I was just just waiting for my turn just to get drafted. You know, you have family at the house and think, oh man, I don't think I'm gonna get taken. So I'm I'm talking to Coach Coach Jones on the phone because he was in Atlanta at the time. Say, you know, if you don't get picked, you know, we'll bring you in as a free agent. You know, I talking to, oh, yeah, okay, coach. You know, you know, no, thank you. Thank you. You know, I appreciate the opportunity. And then he goes, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Never mind. You just got drafted. I said, what? I just got drafted. <laughs> wait, wait a second. You heard it from June? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coach Jones. Like, oh, wait, no, uh, never mind. Um, you just got drafted. I said, I just got drafted to who? Oh, the Rams just picked you up. I said, oh, okay, coach. Thank you, coach. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you later. Hung up the phone, and sure enough, the Rams came up on the TV and said, oh, just drafty 208 pick, Mahaton and Watson. That was pretty crazy. We got a ton of Falcon fans that, that tune into this show. So, Falcon fans, I did not know that. <laughs> this guy was this far Almost away a Falcon. Almost being a Falcon. <laughs> I, you, go to, you go to the Rams. It's stacked against you because you're an eighth-round yeah. pick. You're out of Hawaii. What did it feel like to walk into that environment, right? Again, now I'm talking about a kid who, born in New Ely, grows up in Mililani in, on, in Hawaii, stays in Hawaii. But now all of a sudden, you walk into the locker room, your first day with the Rams, were, were you kind of in awe of it all? Was it, was it like, oh, my gosh, I'm here? Oh, it was crazy. I, I, I just thought, you know, like you said, being from the islands, I thought I had the chip on my shoulder. I was going to go in there and take somebody's position. and. <laughs> That's the first time I had the rude awakening. I walk in, first person I see is Sean Gilbert. And he's like <laughs> six, six, three, thirty, three, forty. Like, oh my goodness. And then get to get on the field, go practice with him. Oh man, I never seen a guy move so fast. He's like a big grizzly bear that can run. I'm like, oh now I know I got my work cut out for me. I gotta start working, you know, getting in the trying to see what follow these guys around, see what they do. Um, how they go about their business, how they train. And I knew I had my work cut out for me then. When did you think you were really going to make the team? When did you think that, you know, you were going to be able to stay? Because, you know, now, today, if a guy's drafted in the first four rounds, he's going to stay. Back yeah. then, if you're an eighth-round pick, they could cut you in a minute and not even not even worry about it. They had oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew strength-wise, I knew I could keep up with the guys because uh, – because I already I broke the record at the combine with the 225 bench press. And when I got there, we had a 315 um, uh, press for reps. And I did 29. And all the guys were like, wow, man, you did 29 reps for 315. Wait a second. What? You did yeah, what? I did, uh, th- uh, 29 reps for 315 when I got there. I've just been training in the weight room and stuff all like right, that. So, so, fans, the, the test at the combine is 225 pounds. And if you do it. 29 times as a defensive lineman, that's a great number. Mm-hmm. You did 315 29. How many times did you do 225, yeah. Ma? I uh, broke the record of the combine. I did it 43. <laughs> 43? Uh, yeah, that's the first time I had a, a kid named um, Jeff Sganina who was yep, after I remember. me. I had, he, I was had... supposed to be the, he was supposed to be the strong guy, you know, the power guy. Out of Purdue. Uh, yeah, out of Purdue. Yeah, out of, out of there. And uh, 
Everybody was talking about him before I even did my my test. Oh man, I wonder what how much he's gonna do, how much he's gonna do. I was a rumbling in our um during the day. But once I did that, I could just see it in his face. He was like, Oh, now I gotta go try and be forty three. It's funny because Scanina was with Coach Vermeil both in with the Rams and then then in Kansas City and yeah. really a really, really a good Good player oh, yeah. for for about yeah. five five eleven three hundred pounds or whatever yeah. he was it was a high school wrestler, um, so you open eyes at the combine with your with your bench press, mm-hmm. and then in your pre draft in this time like right now, what was it like pre COVID for a guy? And I know it's a little different when you're all the way over there on the island, but mm-hmm. what was it like in terms of clubs talking to you about you know putting their board together where you fit you know all going through all that pre draft stuff. Well, I only um, had one club that came down and worked me out, which was the Rams. Uh, they came, uh, Coach George Dyer came down and worked me out uh, on on our field there, and uh, you know put me through some drills. Um, I guess they saw some of the things that they liked that I did at the combine, and uh, that was pretty much the only team that came down to work actually work me out. But other than that, it was more um, calls with my agent, um, seeing where I would fit in and. You know that, that was pretty much it as far as um, um, the after after the uh, combine. Were you when you were at the combine? Did you go through the interview process? Were they doing that back? Oh then? yeah, yeah, right. different teams. What, different what, teams. Was, what was the craziest thing? What crazy craziest interview question that you had to deal with? Oh man, gee, I don't even I don't even remember it so long ago. But um, you know, I remember doing the uh, well, I remember not at the combine, but here at uh, the Hula Bowl when I played in the Hula Bowl, we had to do that Wonderlic test. Yeah, that was out here with the. That was I thought was those questions were pretty odd. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'll test your your mental capacity or your capability or something like that. I was like, man, these are weird questions. But, hey, uh, fans! That, hey, fans! If you want to get a question to Ma uh, or you want to give us a take, go ahead and send it in. Michael put it up on the board, and we'll get to it right away. Uh, you only with the Rams one season, and then. What what was the deal? You got waived, and then the Steelers put you on the practice roster, correct? Yeah, I blew up my ACL my first year um, doing a preseason game against the um, the Browns when uh, Coach Belichick was a the coach there. So um, funny story about that is uh, we were playing the Browns. Uh, last play of the game, I come up to make a tackle. My free safety runs into my leg and pops my knee. Oh, so I feel kind of a pop in the ACL, and then I'm laying there, and then the lights just shut off in the uh, in the stadium, and uh, I see one of my, my my teammates looking at me. Are you okay? I said no, something popped in my knee. I can't get up. So they start calling the trainers, and as soon as I'm sitting there, the lights go off, and then fireworks go off in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting there looking at the fireworks, like uh, I think it's I need the trainers here or something. So, <laughs> I'm looking up, and then uh, Pio Sangapotele was playing for the Browns at the time. So yeah. he runs over and said, Sola, you okay? Said, no, I don't know. Something's wrong with my knee. I can't get up. I can't walk. So there he calls the trainer, too, and we're just sitting there. Ah, oh, lights go off. I'm hurting, and I'm watching fireworks. <laughs> welcome to <laughs> the cool. NFL. Yeah, welcome to the NFL. That's funny. Hey, hey, Fred Flunk, who's one of our listeners from Ireland, uh, has this question for you. He says, what was your favorite NFL town to play in and why? Oh, favorite NFL town would probably be the Raiders. They've got some crazy fans out there that you know they dress up the the full 
full, uh, you know, the mask on. They got the um, shoulder pads on, all that stuff. And were they were they playing in L.A. at that time, or were they up in Oakland? Uh, they were at the Coliseum. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so you they were they were, they were cross cross town from you. Yeah, guys. yeah, yep. Yeah. So um, you would go up there to uh, well, actually that's when I was with uh, Denver. So we'd fly because they were in our um, division. So anytime we go up there, man, it always leaves our hel- we always leave our helmet on because we don't know what they're gonna throw at us. You know, batteries, pitting, you know, coins and all well, that's a, stuff. That's a blood rivalry, isn't it? They're, oh yeah, yeah. Especially uh, you know, Coach Shanahan just left there, uh, you know, on, on not good terms uh, when he went to Denver, and uh, that was always a big game for us because um, you know Mike had some unfinished business, business against. Uh, oh, I, I'm I'm gonna tell you a story. And you can try and verify it for me. I heard it, and I want to know if it's true or not. But I uh, got another question. Put that back up, will you, Michael? I'm sorry. I, I missed it. Ma, what was it like playing with John Elway, Mark Schlereth, and Shannon Sharp? This is Luke from Glasgow, Scotland. Nice. What's up, Luke? Hey, yeah. Um, my first day there at uh, Denver at Dove Valley, uh, come walking in, our first practice. And uh, I just see this tall, blonde guy just leading leading the um, – the sprints, a lot of the vets. I'm like, man, that looks like John Elway. So I come out, usually the linemen come out later to get their offseason program in or their training. And sure enough, it's John. Every rep, he's always in the front. Every rep, he's always in the Is front. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And um, chief, uh, from then on, I'm like, wow. He's not a guy that, you know, just sits there and gets on the stationary bike and, you know, works out while everybody's working out. He's leading it. He's leading all practices. He's, he's the one that has the uh, – knows the temperature of the team even during like training camps like if he knows the guys are beating down you know he'll go straight to shanahan and say hey you know fellas you know you know a little break they need some off time and sure enough you know he we, he walks back in and say hey guys take the pads off and then we're gonna have so you know the next two hours is off we'll come back for the second practice I'm like oh man so he, he really he really was the heartbeat of the team and all those years he's been there and a lot of young guys who come out you know watch them um, you know, from afar, it's like, man, I couldn't believe I'm there with Elway and Sharp and um, so many of the great players, Steve Atwater, and all those guys just walking there like, man, can't believe I'm with those guys. Well, you know what? I, I did some re- research because I remember those teams. This is Luke. Thank you much for segueing us into the Broncos stuff. Um, but I, I got to I got to ask, first of all, about Shannon Sharp. Did he ever shut up the entire day? <laughs> that was my workout buddy. That was, was, was he really? Oh, I tell yeah. you what, he is yoked up now. Oh yeah, he still, he still looks he still looks the same from when we used to play together. But uh, yeah, every Tuesdays we always show up. We, that was my, we worked out together all the time, and everything wasn't heavy. It wasn't heavy reps, but it was a lot of reps, light 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 reps. I mean, lightweight, a lot of reps, and uh, that's how he stayed in shape. And I'm sure that's what he what, what he's doing now. And but yeah, like you say, he that he is a talker. That was, that was a fun. That was the funniest thing about him. And don't right. come wearing funny clothes in the in the locker room because you won't hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now the thing about those Super Bowl teams to me, right, is when I look at the rosters, and everybody talks about when rightly so. You got Ed McCaffrey, you got Shannon Sharp, you got Schlereth, you got you know really really a tremendous running back, you know. And so everybody wants to talk about Rod Smith and the offense and scoring, all that stuff. But I looked at the defensive roster, Ma. You guys were nasty on defense. Trevor Price, 
you, Romanowski, Ray Crockett. I mean, there were some great football players on those on those Bronco teams. What was your, you know, did you have, did you guys ever think about, you know, who you were defensively, like your identity defensively? Um, you know what? I think uh, Coach Greg Robinson, our defensive coordinator, uh, bought the the best group together. You know, guys who specialized in, uh, uh, I guess, who had different traits that performed well in the defense that he had. You know, on our team, we had—I don't think we had a guy that was over 300 pounds. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. He wanted, um, especially on our on our defensive line. Nobody was over 300 pounds. Offensive line, um, uh, Coach Alex Gibbs didn't want no nobody over 300 pounds either. He wants—we're playing in an elevation. We got to make sure we're in shape. We want to be in better shape than the other team that shows up on that Sunday. And I don't know how many times I've played against offensive linemen and during the game and you just see them throwing up on the field because, uh, you know, it's hard to play an elevation and we're just, our motors are just starting, you know, in the third quarter, we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're ready to go. We're not even tired at all. Just being, being in shape and being, uh, you know, having a weight uh, controlled was everything to us. And, uh, you know, the way we play defense, uh, we had guys that, uh, that were quick um, guys who had a lot of great technique and who have, come from other teams to make our team uh, what it was uh, back in those Super Bowl runs. All right. Now you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned Alex Gibbs, right? Uh, who is universally respected, but despised by defensive linemen around the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Am I, am I right yeah. or wrong? Yeah. No, they didn't like that cut, that backside cut. Oh man. Like that backside cut. That's a tough one. You know, that's actually, actually he had to go in front of the commissioner on a couple of occasions to talk about the backside cut because you guys had run that zone scheme. And I mean to tell you, you'd watch the backside disappear on the ground. It was like mm-hmm. watching a wishbone team. You know, they just boom, 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 all across the line. Give me a, give me a Romanowski story because there gotta be a billion of them. Oh, probably the craziest, craziest one. I mean, it, it wasn't even on the practice field. It was in our meetings. So we would watch the meetings and, uh, you know, we're listening to the meetings, coaches talking then everything just gets quiet in the meeting room. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then Romo was grabbing these needles out of his thing and giving his own self acupuncture. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second now. Dude is giving himself his own acupuncture. He had his own. He had his own. He had his. Because the guy was an absolute physical freak. I mean, he, he was obsessive about his. Physique and his yeah, body and all that, all of it, right? Yeah. But like, wait a second. Now you're telling me that in a meeting in the facility, Greg Robinson's talking to the defense, mm-hmm. and he's over there opening up his own can of own box of needles, giving yeah. himself acupuncture, giving himself acupuncture between his thumb here, pulling on his head, forehead, or like <laughs> ear, like the room just got quiet. And I'm like, what is getting quiet? And everybody's just looking at him. And they were like, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, Mike, that's, the, that's the type of guy he was, man. He's always, always about his nutrition, make sure his body was at the right level so he can go out and there and perform. Uh, Owen Thomas from uh, – <laughs> now, I said, I am not kidding you. This guy's from – the town he lives in is called Mumbles in the country of Wales, okay? Wow. Mumbles, baby, Owen Thomas says. All right, Owen has this question. Is your birth certificate wrong? 
50 <laughs> looks like you're ready yep. for preseason, brother. <laughs> yep, I'm the Hawaii 5 0. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Hawaii 5 0. <laughs> Thanks, brother Owen. <laughs> now, uh, repeat Super Bowl, right? that's really, really difficult to do because you go through history and there's only a very few teams that have been able to accomplish that feat. We played, I don't know how many Super Bowls we actually played over almost 60 now, right? What was it about you guys that was able to get you back and win it again? Because it's tough to win it one time. It's really tough to win it two times. No, you know what what the, uh, I think it wasn't even those two Super Bowls. I think the one thing that we have on uh, as far as, Players was the year before we won our first Super Bowl. 96 is when we uh, played the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in the, um, I don't know, I think it was the NFC, AFC, um, one of the AFC divisional playoffs. Um, fourth quarter, a minute, probably like a minute, 46 seconds or something like that left. Uh, fourth down. John Elway's supposed to get the ball back. We were down by three. You know, offense is supposed to get the ball back. But uh, one, of our off, one of our defensive linemen decides to walk off the field. Penalty. No way. They get the ball back. First down, Jaguars, game over. Like, oh. They, did they yeah. cut him? Did they cut him? Oh, no, 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 no. no this is a, a guy that um, they paid a lot of money to. <laughs> so they weren't going to cut him. <laughs> But uh, he just didn't make it out of bounds in time, and um, Jaguars got the first down to um, secure the game. And it was like, man, if he would have got that one, John gets the ball back. Hopefully, you know, we'll get down there. And, uh, you know, John is known for fourth quarter comebacks, and uh, we could have had, you know, possibly could have had three. I was going to say, it could have been, been, yeah. been a three. could have been a three. Yeah, game. yeah. But that was two. The first one we won, uh, you know, that was like uh, – our owner said, Mr. Boland, you know, this one's for John. And uh, he really was uh, with that helicopter um, spin yep. that he had and try to get into the end zone. That's when we knew, man, this guy wants it. So that really uh, got us going. All right. Now, when when you played with Elway, and I think it's important that, that you know, his legacy and what he was, what he meant, obviously – great athlete even at the end of his career when he's all beat up he was still a tremendous athlete had an arm and could run you know but somehow he had a way of and i saw it when i had doug flutie he was the same way he just elevated everybody around him and that you as long as there was time left on the clock you always felt you had a chance to win the game elway was kind of that way for you guys wasn't he oh yeah yeah i mean um his history is that, you know, from college to um, pros, um, watching him when I wasn't there, uh, getting to watch him when I played with him. Um, you know, you always knew you had a chance uh, going into the fourth quarter if your team was, you know, if your team was behind, that, uh, you know, he would bring you back. Um, a lot of the great games where he had against uh, the Cleveland Browns, you know, the ice bowl that they had uh, brought the team back. So I think that, um, was part of his legacy before I even got there. Got to watch that game um, to you know NFL films and seeing that um, you just knew that uh, there was no quit in this guy and uh, being able to practice with him, uh, you could tell why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you go and 
time starts to run out on you in your career, right? And after the Broncos, you, you hung around a couple more years. Tell me about the end of your career uh, and when you knew that that was finally time. Uh, yeah, I, I broke my I, Once I left the, uh, the Broncos, I went and played with uh, the Chargers. Uh, well, I was out there with Junior Sale. I was able to play a couple of years with him, uh, but uh, tore my ankle, uh, dislocated my ankle, uh, had to get it um, fixed. And, uh, you know, I tried my last year with Atlanta. It was my last, my last year, 2002. And um, my ankle didn't didn't seem right. So uh, I felt, oh, well, it's time to kind of hang it up. My daughter was about to start high school. So, uh, you know, we really wanted to stay in a place where, um, you know, we're able just to raise our family already and, uh, you know, be able to uh, come back home and uh, be around family. Uh, was know. it Was it hard walking away? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was tough. Can you can speak to speak to our viewers, if you will, a little bit about what goes on in a? You're, here's a guy. I mean, you started at 16. Some guys start at six, mm -hmm. but you started at 16, and football had been such a big part of your life through that whole period. It's how you made your money. It's how you fed your family. You know, how were you able to not? You know, I see so much of the time I, it becomes who the who the man is mm -hmm. right and then when it's gone they go through a really really tough time how were you able to keep that from happening uh man i think i had a great family that supported me you know my wife uh i had kids um you know i, I was responsible for uh, my family and you know and just be uh, being able to come back home to be around familiar faces and um you know not not being um um Back in Denver, where I didn't have a lot of family or, you know, other states that I played in, you know, coming back home is a, is a healer, was a healer for me. And uh, being able to coach football like yourself, coach, being around kids and, uh, you know, being, to, being able to inspire and watch these kids go through what they go through, knowing that, um, you know, I have, I have advice for them and being able to, you know, give them uh, – being able to give them uh, what they need as far as uh, uh, trying to get to the next level and watching these kids uh, go to college and come back and be productive citizens in our community. Um, you know, that, that was the end game for me and uh, being able to, uh, you know, to, li the, to live through uh, being able to coach. I think that was, that was probably what it really helped me out. Do, do you, all right, I, I, let me ask it to you this way. What's the biggest challenge that you feel as a coach? What's the biggest frustration that you feel as a coach? Uh, sometimes these kids think they know everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you too, huh? <laughs> you know, nowadays with social media, it's even crazier. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, so-and-so does this way, so-and-so does that way. And, um, and you know, sometimes when uh, parents get involved also at this level, it is it's pretty hard. But uh, I think my, um, my background and... Uh, you know, the, the, what I've been through is able to, um, you know, get through to uh, a lot of them where they respect um, what I've done and respect a lot of the things I have to say. Is it different coaching today's kids as compared to when you were when you were a high school football player? Do you think it's do you think it's different for for what today's coach faces as opposed to 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Um, I think it's. 
uh, probably good and bad because you know, a lot of these kids coming in come into with uh, you know with technique, you know, but you know some so the te technique might be bad, you know, but uh, you know some of the do come in they know um, what the A gap and B gap and C gaps are. Or, you know what what different techniques are but uh, other than that, just fine tuning just fine tuning what they do and um, um going off from there all right now I, I mentioned to the viewers before as we started the show that i had had an opportunity to be around you in some unique environments and one of the really special special things that i've ever been able to do in coaching people ask you what was the favorite favorite thing you ever did in coaching i would have to say going with june and Jesse and all those great Polynesian players, Jack Thompson, the original throwing Samoan, back to the island of Samoa and putting on those football clinics and taking the medical supplies back there on those on those missions that we did back there. That was absolutely incredible. And talk about your island home. Talk about you because you'll always be Samoan. Yes. Right. And I, I was so cool when we would go back there because one evening I was, it was always guaranteed one evening you were going to be with your extended family mm -hmm. in New Ely. And what is it, what did it mean for you to go back as an ex NFL player to the Island where you were born? Uh, I think the first time we went back, I think it was in 2007, I think it was 2007, somewhere around there or 2008. And I haven't been back home for, uh, since my high school years, which was 19, 87, I think was the last time I went there. I've been back home. And I went there right before I graduated high school. And then I went back with uh, you and Coach Jones for the uh, football medical mission. But the funny thing about it is, uh, you know, it's it's me. You know, I, I play NFL. Jesse has four rings. Um, uh, Jack Thompson, uh, first-round draft pick. But the guy who got the most respect was that guy right there. Coach <laughs> Reinbold. <laughs> That dude, Coach Rainbow, was the man. That's the first time I opened my eyes. Like, Coach Rainbow is the man. You go out there, and all these kids just rally around him, and his chance with those kids. Those kids, the, the, the island of Samoa loves Coach Rainbow, and uh, you know that that really uh, that really inspired me. Also, Coach, having you out there with us. Well, well I, I appreciate you saying that, Ma. But you know, when 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 uh, Jesse was on the show, and I love you guys like brothers, and Jesse was on the show. He reminded me that remember they had that that yellow school bus to take us around. Now you got to understand, oh, yeah. Samoa is not Hawaii. It's not the United States. It's not. It is. It is very very different. And it is. It, they are the most wonderful, sweetest, kindest, givingest people I've ever been around. But we would travel around in a in a school bus because there were no taxis and no limousines and none of that other stuff. Mm. So we were sitting in the back of the school bus on a way to one of the engagements we had to do and i remember june come back and talk to you and my and, uh, excuse me you and jesse about starting a polynesian football hall of fame and yeah. from that from the back of the that bus ride today if you go to the polynesian cultural center on the island of oahu you can go through the polynesian football hall of fame what what was it like to get that done and to, to recognize not only your the every great Samoan player, but Hawaiians, Tongans, all the Polynesian players who have played in the NFL. Yeah, like like you said, on the back in the back of a school bus, um, you know, in order to get to 
one side of it, one, well, you know, the other side of the island, you got to pass all these villages on the way there. And each village weren't signs of kings and queen, you know, kings or chiefs that came from that village. Signs over there was like so and so who plays in NFL came from that village. So you got, you know, names of NFL players at different villages that you pass by. So and so was from this village. So and so was from that village. So like, wow, you got all these, you know, the, the, how proud of um, uh, of our, our our community and our small people of kids that 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 are playing, whether it's college or the NFL, that they recognize them. Uh, you know, like you go to the states, uh, you, you go, you know, in Texas, or like, oh, you know, so and so NFL player is from this town or that town, and uh, we're like. Wow! Yeah, that that you know, Coach Jones said, yeah, we you know we need to come up with a platform where we can honor a lot of these guys that uh, you know came before us. Um, uh, a lot of the NFL, a lot of our Samoan brethren, a lot of our Tongan brothers, um, you know, a lot of our different Polynesian uh, players that uh, you know that I don't even know because they were before me, and I'm sure players who are playing now don't know my name unless. It's found through, uh, you know, Google or some social media app, or coming to Hawaii and going through our Polynesian Football Hall of Fame, and knowing that, wow, okay, you know, this, this is where this who this who my dad was talking about, you know, that, that that's the thing I get. Oh, when I talk to our players that come and play in our Polynesian Bowl, a lot of our high school players, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to the parents and their parents. Are like, oh, I remember when you were at Denver and you know, this and that. And like, hey, son, hey, son, come over here. What's the guy talking about? Like, oh. So it's just pretty neat, and uh, be able to have a platform where these kids can go and you know find out who was the first Polynesian player, or you know, oh my goodness, I didn't know you know I'm related to so and so you know that played for the for this team. So um, you know it was something that that needed to be brought up or needed to be done, and uh, you know with Jesse, myself, Coach Jones, Faisika Hamo, Rina Mahe, and Troy Polamalu. Um, no, we, we, we were able to bring that up. And, Mikey, uh, Mikey, throw up some questions as we go through here. I don't want these guys to, to uh, not get. All right. Hey, man, what's your elite athlete go-to superfood super top tip from Cliffy in Scotland? Uh, it's probably Palosami. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Palosami is, is, a, is a Samoan dish that is taro and rice and coconut milk. And it's referred to as the Samoan steroid because I'll yeah. tell you what, you want something to put a little weight on you. That's it. With some taro. Yeah. All right. Charles McBride says, Tumolau, uh, Ungalele, two great prospects of Polynesian descent on the come up. Do you have any other young prospects to keep an eye on? Yeah, that's why um, we started the, our Polynesian Bowl. Um, because we want to know where, where kids, our Polynesian kids are at uh, in the States. Uh, we know the kids here on Oahu because I'm here, but you know, along the States we have um, a lot of Polynesian kids who are spread all across the U.S. Uh, I remember when we, we found um, uh, A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa, who's, you know, he's right there in the middle, middle of the States. And, uh, you know, as soon as we, our Polynesian Football Hall of Fame went out there, and then we started the Polynesian uh, Polynesian Bowl. We were able to have these kids come and, you know, uh, DM, DM us uh, through our sites. And also are a lot of the uh, uh, high school sports writers that are saying, hey, you know, there's this Polynesian kid up here. 
uh, that you should take a look at. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing great things. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of great uh, Polynesian athletes out there. All right, Claire the Bear, and Claire is from the UK. You can hardly tell with that, all that UK flag. <laughs> but I'm telling you, my, this lady is classic. She is one of, my, one of my all-time favorites. She is the queen of giveaways. She is a dyed – I mean, you talk about a Bears fan. She is the Bears fan that I know. She says, with Samoa known so – with Samoa so known for rugby, how did you get into American football? That's a good question because it is – Manu Samoa is a big, big deal. Their rugby team. Yeah, he was there from Apia, uh, Manu Samoa. And uh, you know, the thing is, uh, when we do our um, Polynesian Football uh, Hall of Fame um, visits, we go to Auckland, New Zealand, and uh, New Zealand is known to to be the uh, Polynesian capital of the world with so many Polynesian players out there. But they all play rugby, you know. And uh, the one thing about rugby is, once you get over two eighty. There's no more rugby for you. And uh, <laughs> well, that's, you know, a, that's, a, that's, that's when a Polynesian kid's about 17 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so once, once, once they get to 280, there's no rugby for them. Uh, but that's at 280, you're perfect for American football out here in the States. So, you know, we go out there, um, you know, try to give them a different uh, avenue to, um, to go out there and, uh, you know, look, look at uh, what they call gridiron out there in Auckland, New Zealand. And, uh, you know, if they can't play rugby, you know, gridiron may be the sport for them. You know, I'm going to ask you this question. I asked it to Jesse, and I, I, he gave me a really interesting answer, but I'm going to ask it the same thing to you. The fans may not realize this, but statistically, if you're a 16-year-old boy in Pongo Pongo, American Samoa, you have a better chance to play in the NFL than if you're a 16-year-old boy in Dallas, Texas, or New York, New York, or Miami, Florida, or any of the hotbeds of uh, high school sports. Why is it that we have had so many? And I mean, you look at every roster in the National Football League now, you're going to see some Polynesian player on that roster, at least one. When you when you look at that and you see the explosion of the players that are, that are playing in the game now, why is it that a Polynesian kid is so well adapted to playing football? Mm-hmm. I should ask you that question, Coach. Um, I, I, I remember you found this 16-year-old kid out there in American Samoa, <laughs> Isaac Sapuanga, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I you know, I, I, so let's talk about Sapuanga's story because he was found playing volleyball. And when you watched him play, you go, how in God's name is a kid that big that explosive, that athletic, and then kind of got channeled into football, then to junior college, and then to the University of Hawaii, then to the National Football League. But, you know, Jesse said to me, said two things really to him. Number one, they're raised in a culture of respect. They're raised in a fa'a Samoa, which, as as I said, translates to the Samoan way. It's kind of the code of the way families are together and kids are raised and parents look at each other and the whole deal. Fasamoa, because now you're going to get a kid that's raised in a culture of respect, raised in a culture of discipline, raised in a culture of responsibility, right? That's the, that's one side of it. And then Jesse said this side, he said, because we learn to dance at a very young age, 
And he feels like, especially for offensive linemen, that the reason they have such great feet is because they're in cultures where they're encouraged to dance as infants. And, and I thought that was really an interesting answer. How, what's your take on that? Yeah, our, our, our feet were already, were already uh, moving before we even did the ladders. <laughs> <laughs> our slap dance, our slap dance, uh, is, 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 it's ladderish type, you know, our slap dance. Okay, okay, years. wait, 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 wait. Now, now you know what you've done, Ma. <laughs> I'm you, not going to be no slap dance. You got to get, come on, you got to give me just a little. Just a... <laughs> No, you got you to stand up and do it. I can't do it. I'm only five zero now. <laughs> Mikey, throw another question at my eye, if you would, please. I, I tell you, all right. Owen says one more time. Uh, oh, here you go, Michael Grimes. Coming from Samoa at such a young age, how are you looking forward to playing football? Much love from the UK. Uh, I think football was a product of my environment here. Um, you know, coming over here as a kid, going through. Um, uh, elementary school and middle school uh that's, that's all we had we go to the football field and um, toss the ball around and uh, see who can tackle who you know uh, who who was the toughest out there but uh that's that's how i got introduced and um uh you know was able to play from my high school from my high school years well my i i, I'm, I you've been an awesome guest this morning now we always close with the superstar guest with, uh, you know, you, you got to realize how what high pressure this was right today, because the guy who guessed you. Right. Like I put a I put a quiz out right on Twitter. And, you know, I said, OK, this guy led. I think my question, my thing was I didn't say who you were. I said, obviously, I said he led the Broncos in sacks two years in a row, has two Super Bowl rings. Right. And then, you know, I heard some we got four or five responses. Then all of a sudden the guy goes, Ma'atanabasa. And I went, Bloom. <laughs> and but but that's how much he what was remembered. that mean well did, did i answer that? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah maybe that's what happened but i gotta i gotta apologize because you know we, he was supposed to introduce you live and he he, he wilted under the pressure right <laughs> so, so but this this is this is how we always close every interview we go and play a little word association so i give you a name or a, of anything and then you give me the first thing that pops into your head okay. when when I say it. All right. So let's say Mike Shanahan. Oh, man. Great coach. Okay. Um, Jesse Sapolo. Uh, guy I look up to. It's my idol right there. Junior Seau. Oh. Sad. That was my guy. The guy who wears the beer barrel at the Broncos games without a shirt on. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. That guy's a great guy. Always, always good to see him. But yeah, that's he's crazy. The National Football League. Um, take care of their players. Have to take care of your players. Okay. Ma, thank you so much, man. It is always great to see you. And uh, again, you are like, like the, like Owen said, you defy, you defy age, man. You look like this, you're the same guy that, <laughs> that I watch play at the UH. So again, thank you so much for joining us and join letting Broncos nation have a crack at you. And, and uh, you, I think you realize now that uh, you, you made a huge impact on a lot of people's lives and you continue to do that through what you do with the Polynesian 
Bowl, the Hot Polynesian Hall of Fame, your high school coaching in Mililani, and you are truly one of the really good guys at the National Football League. Thanks, Coach. You too, Coach. Love you, Coach. Love you too. Everybody. Bye. Take care. Hey, that is Ma'a Tanavasa, man, oh, man, oh, man. God dang it. One of the really, really special guys that uh, I've been blessed to have a chance to know uh, through this crazy game of football. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, he is one of the really class acts. And, and you know, anytime you think that the, that they're all guys that just care about money and, and status and all those other things, you run into guys like Ma'a and you find out that there's more, way, way, way more good guys in the National Football League than our knuckleheads. So, Michael, come on out here. Nice job. That was huh? good, man. That was good. That was that was really good, wasn't it? Man? What'd you what'd you what'd you think as a as a Bronco fan to hear about all those great times, all those great years? You know, does it make you? Does it hurt you at all? Does it does it make you pine? <laughs> for- I. <laughs> was lucky to go past uh, fight for all masters by the way folks i i was lucky to see what happened five or six years ago now this year for 50 so I, i'm happy enough it was funny to hear well not funny it was interesting to hear what he said about that jaguars game um when you go to denver and talk to fans that is the one thing they say like a lot of people and probably yourself thought as well elway was finished after that jaguars game uh, it was just interesting to hear his thoughts but man look great interview i'm very pleased to tell you you have reached over uh Let's confirm this before I tell you the number. But man, it's been popping tonight. Uh, five and a half thousand people have watched the show. Wow, that is so awesome. Hey, if you got any more questions, Mike and I will be around for about five more minutes to take a question or two if there are any of them out there. There, and then there gonna... is a good few. Uh, there was, there was, I just want, just want to put it up here. There, there was a lot earlier on. Um, Claire, obviously. Magic Mike. There you go. Out. There you go, Claire. All right. Uh, yeah, I own this nice guy. Truly is a good guy. Uh, again, Fred, um, thank you very much. Uh, you guys that join us, the tribe that joins us every week is awesome. We appreciate you so much. And again, love to give you guys the opportunity to talk to these NFL guys because that's a rare, rare chance to talk to a player, obviously, of Ma'atanavasa's magnitude. Uh, what's the Hickory's order for draft coach? We're going to get back to you on that one, Alex, because we might be have something Cooking. Oh boy, that's a that's a really good pun right there. We might have yeah, something cook, cooking with hickory. <laughs> you'll do very well to get food from the UK sent over to Hawaii and time. Maybe no, by the I'm summer gonna take, next year. I'm I'm gonna take care of you. Why do you you're, you're my guy, man? I'm gonna take care of you. I'm not even sure if there is. I'm, I must check that obviously. But like I must see I'm sure they have something for the drafts as well. Uh, Fred Flung put this on whenever Spencer was on. A lot to be fair, Jeff, a lot of people commented. I felt bad. We ran out of time, but one of them, uh, Cowboys and trade down. Have you heard much about that? Well, there's there's rumor going on about that right now, and there's some possibilities that you know if the Cowboys, because Cowboys have multiple needs, particularly on defense, right? And I think that's where they're going to spend the bulk of their draft capital. If they can trade that one for a later one and another two, I would do it because the opportunity to get quality quality players. We talked about there's eight DBs that Spencer has on our board and obviously you know with the quarterbacks five quarterbacks going to probably go early uh it's going to push other guys down so you will have in the second round you'll have access to very very good football players and if you have a multiple needs you're a multiple needs team like the cowboys are certainly that's that's worth getting out of that 10th spot to get but somebody's going to want to have to covet that 10th spot those are the kind of when you talk about the 10th spot mike i think those are the kind that happen almost on draft day 
because yeah. you got you got to make sure that your guy's still there on the board at ten if you if you're interested in trading up. All right, who else we got? We've got a few ones here. There's one from Mikey who said just around times. If you're Chris Ballard, would you take the DT from Alabama in the first? Edge, edge and left tackle are a real needs, I know, but uh, maybe effective next to Buckner. I think that might have been a name around the time, but uh, is there anybody that you think might suit there? I, I think Mikey's talking about Christian Barmore at, from the University of Alabama, yeah. a big, big inside player. I, I, I wouldn't do that, Mikey, if I was if I was uh, the Colts. I just I think that you know he's a very, very good player, but I think for a defensive tackle, you can get. You know, you, you, it's not a great tackle year in a draft, but certainly um, I, I would say a premier edge rusher or a premier left tackle is one available for uh, for the Colts. I would go that way. Uh, take care of us. <laughs> I think you saw me the food. And then Claire, yeah. I, I, I want some barbecue. Claire, uh, I, Claire, I just got to tell you, I am making barbecue chicken tonight. This is Hawaiian barbecue chicken. I will send pictures of it out and – uh, we are also going to make uh, macaroni salad and rice, which is that's now you're talking about a real Hawaiian meal. Charles McBride, thoughts on Talanoa, Huffanaga, uh, SC. I- I'm going to tell you something. There are a, n- a number of guys, Chuck, that you brought up that are good, good players. Um, when we stack, wh- what you're going to see, I think, when we stack the draft board, when we go through, whether we do it as a mock 32 picks. Uh, between Spencer, uh, Mike, and I, or whether we actually stack our top 50, what you're going to see is players are going to get pushed dependent on depth and need ahead of them. So Tufanaga is a good player. Uh, Again, where he'll fit, I can't – that's a little tough one to say about right now. Yes, sir. That's us. All right, that's us. That's the questions done, man. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what the crack is with with the draft. I know you're busy next week in Sky, Jeff. As well. hey, that's the other thing. If if you're in the UK, turn into tune into Sky because we're going to have, uh, open up the channel again, Sky FN, NFL channel. Neil's going to host a number of shows. Uh, we're going to have uh, Will Blackman will be on with this. Baldy's going to be on with this. We're going to have a number of guests uh, to talk about the draft, and we are going to give you a ton of draft coverage and then post draft evaluation. We are going to be back next week at whatever time Mike can put this whole show together. And uh, we're going to um, we're going to you know come at you with really what you can expect in the draft. So join us next week, and then after the draft, post draft, we have an extra special show coming for you as we continue to grow this thing. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. Much aloha, Mike. What do we got? Uh-huh. All right, uh-huh. my brother. There you uh-huh. go. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh-huh.